0: A cup of coffee with my, with my mom
1: Hi guys Hello
0: I tuned in just in time to hear my mother talking about finding a dead body in the street What did I miss?
1: Oh, well you missed the actual fact that the body is not in the street It's under the Christmas tree in the living room
0: The dead body
1: The dead body with a big knife sticking out of the chest. Yes. It's um, a book I'm reading. It's a story I'm reading. You know how I have such a penchant for violence and crime and mayhem and.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a great Christmas story, sounds like. It is, Chuck. And it's funny. My mother has, like, kind of a righteous standard with regard to violence. You know, I mean, she really, really is put off by war films violence in general, and to, to her credit, unless it's like Murder, She Wrote, or some Miss Marple thing, or some what Midsummer Night Murders, and, you know, h- how did they do that, Mom? How did, how did they suck you in to this ultra-violent world? Did they simply just round off, you know, the ugly edges of it to make murder entertaining for you?
1: You know, Mike, I blame it on your father. I'm a writer. I get up in the morning and I sit down and I write. And I write until I do take breaks to exercise and to eat and so forth. But by and large, I'm at my computer from maybe 8 a.m. to 3 a.m. And then after then, I'm Dad's. I do what Dad loves to do. We play pool. We do things together.
2: 8 a.m. to 3 a.m., you said. I think
1: you mean 3 p.m. Oh, okay, I meant p.m. I'm sorry. Okay,
0: good. She's a writer, Chuck. She's not a teller of stories. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get bogged down in the details.
1: <laughs> anyway, so Dad and I spend time together in the afternoons and evenings. So Dad loves detective shows, mystery shows. And um, so... I sit with him on the sofa in the evening, and we watch Vera or Foyle, or, you know, anything that's going. Annika is a nice new one. And really, there are a lot of bodies. But the English know how to do it in that you don't actually witness the murder. You come in after the fact, and there it is. There's the body you know. I'm not saying it's pleasant, but I've learned to. If it gets too unpleasant, I just reach over, and you know, Dad has his TV ears in. It's a Bluetooth device. And so he is hearing it directly from the TV into his ears. If it gets too horrible, all I have to do is just hit, oh, mute. (laughs) So I just hit mute. I don't hear it, but Dad doesn't. You know, he's fine with violence. So that's that's how I have become more or less immune to the darker side of life.
0: I just think it's interesting. As a writer and a human and a mother and a wife and a person and all that, you've been uniformly opposed to the notion of death and murder and all of that awfulness. But it's not that. You're just opposed to the way it's presented in certain venues, but you're perfectly fine with it if the people have an English accent, I think I mean, as best <laughs> I can tell
1: well that's not quite accurate, but you do have a point there, yes, I do I find it more acceptable.
2: you said before that the English know how to do it, which of course made me think, well of course that's how we got more English but um, <laughs> but what did you mean by that <laughs> so my mother.
0: <laughs>
1: Well, you know, in so much American drama and violence on television, you see the act committed, you know, mm. the stabbing scene in the shower. You see it, whereas at the English, you're more apt to come upon the body post-killing, so you don't have to witness. I'm not always, but more or less.
0: You know what you would enjoy then? It's very English, procedural kind of show. I don't know if you've seen it, but very gentle. It's called Luther. Ring any bells?
1: Oh, yes, I've seen Luther. Is he a, a, a black detective? Excuse me.
0: Yes, he's a black detective. Yes. But I'm kidding. This is a terribly violent program.
1: <laughs> so that's one that I probably mute, and then I do my jumble while Dad really thinks that I'm watching it. But I'm sitting next to him. That's the idea, togetherness, you know.
0: How important is it to him that he think you're actually watching and listening? Or does he care that you're just pretending to? Is it all just theater at this point?
1: I don't know. He'll be listening to this podcast. So if we're recording, then maybe he will weigh in on that subject to me.
0: Hmm. If there's a murder. I'll be fired again. (laughs) Again. (laughs) But then, of course, rehired. Because what am I going to do?
1: Because good help is so hard to get these
0: days. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) You know what? I mean, you joke, mom. You joke. But I'm telling you, this has been a a topic of incredible, relentless conversation. You know, my foundation is, is rooted in recruiting. And I've been talking about this for 15 years. And now here in California, we have been trying to hire at Microworks. I mean, for like, what, Chuck, three years. Three years we've been trying to hire people. Yeah. It's really, 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 really difficult. And I'm not even sure I'm ready to joke about it yet, but I'm, I'm beside myself. I'm not sure what to do at this point. Do you want to work, Mom? Do you want a
1: job? No, I don't have much time. Are you an
0: office to... manager?
1: Oh no, I'm not a good manager. I learned that years ago. I was a director of our church's preschool. We had about 100 children and maybe 12 employees at least. Oh, no. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know what happened? No, that's okay. Yeah, I know. I'm
0: pretty sure what happened. The, the ice, ice under melted. your computer melted. Did, uh, and then your computer slid off the table. I didn't, it looked like an earthquake.
1: I didn't do a thing. I just sat here and watched it happen. Uh, I'm sorry about all that I thought noise. my
0: vertigo was back when you started disappearing. Yeah. Well, I'm just writing this down. I just sat here and watched it happen because that's exactly, that's turned into my Cohen, my mantra. It's the story of my life. We're just sitting here and watching things happen everywhere. We just just had this conversation.
1: So you just offered me a job and I would have to move to California and
0: I'm not ready. No, not really. No, no. We're all about working from home now, Mom. No one has to come to the office anymore.
1: But the thing is, I'm not good at managing and I learned that years ago when I was the director of our church's preschool and it got along well with the teachers and the parents and the children and and really I was pretty organized with things, but well, one time we had a teacher who wasn't doing her job. She should have been fired, but I knew her. And so instead of firing her and hiring somebody else, I would go down and stand in the room to make sure she was doing her job. She would see me there and she would do her job.
0: Did her last name start with an L, by the way?
1: Michael, we can't get too personal. You never know, honey, who's going to. That's
0: not too personal. Last name starts with an L. That's not giving anything away.
1: I really don't remember.
0: Did I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, I don't about. remember. She was awful. <laughs> she was
1: awful. Anyway, I should have fired her. She was
0: her. a terrible teacher. You never should have hired her.
1: And you How know did what? you hire her in the and first place? And she would come outside of the room and leave her children, maybe 10, 15 little three-year-olds, and come out in the hall and, and talk. And I would go down and I would say, is somebody in there with the children? And she'd say... Oh, I can peek around the corner. I, I can see what's happening. And instead of saying, get in there. You are the teacher. You, I went in and watched the children until she came back in. Mm. See, I'm, I don't. That wasn't right. I shouldn't yeah. have had to do that. So
2: Codependent, party of one, mm, your table's yeah. ready.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So I wasn't good at managing because firing people was very difficult for me. I was good in every other respect, but um, I couldn't get tough. Ex-
0: except that key, essential, all-important, non-negotiable <laughs> aspect of running a business—you <laughs> had all the other stuff nailed down. And that's why I can't accept your thing.
1: job offer. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: That is a shame.
1: Oh. Because if Chuck wasn't doing his job, I wouldn't have the courage to fire him. Oh,
0: that's sweet. <laughs> So that's where I get it. It's who I am. That's where I get it. That's why Chuck still has a job. Congratulations, Chuck. My flawed DNA has trickled all the way down from my incredibly kind granddad to my incredibly benevolent mother to me. And with that comes the complete erosion of anything resembling a standard or an expectation. The next thing you know, you've got a teacher standing out in the hallway with a a classroom full of three-year-olds running amok sitting around, throwing their own feces at each other like no, monkeys No, Michael, in a it zoo. wasn't that
1: bad. They were, no. Oh, sorry. They
0: politely saying? handed it to one another. No one threw anything. <laughs> see, Mom, Some I'm doubt. a reader too. I like to talk in pictures. <laughs> and if you're going to tell a story with a bunch of three-year-olds being left alone in a classroom, you got me, but now I want to see what happens next. Hmm. And it can't just be Mrs. L peeks around the corner I need something more. I need to see some Lord of the Flies kind of thing unfold. And
1: that's why you write fiction and I write nonfiction. I tell it how it really happened.
0: Now, see, if this was all happening in an English accent, we would find one day that Mrs. L had been stretched out in the classroom with a pair of scissors embedded in her back. And Mrs. Rowe would have walked in and said... Which one of you three-year-olds seems to have done the deed? And then a great mystery would begin to unfold. This I think we have it right there. It's the preschool killer.
1: The story behind the story.
0: (laughs) Which, by the way, is now officially... I think you said this the other day, and I hope this doesn't sound like too much of a humble brag, but Chuck, I believe... Mom, go ahead and tell Chuck what you said about the story behind the story vis-a-vis its position in the uh, curriculum verite of me
1: i think it's one of the finest pieces of work mike has you know has ever produced i like the stories that he writes i have mm-hmm. always admired his writing and the production of these stories is excellent. The actors are so in sync with what's happening, you know, with with the writing part of it. I mean, even their mouths are saying the words that Mike has written, and it's they're perfectly synchronized. I really look Chuck, forward to it. Chuck, explain to, to
0: the it. listener what my mother's talking about in case they haven't seen this this show, please.
2: Well, if you've ever seen Drunken History, it's kind of like that, uh, or Drunk History, I think it's called. The story behind the story is the way I heard it, the original stories that Mike wrote, that little mysteries, short stories for the curious mind with a short attention span. So it's his voice, he reads it in front of an empty theater, a giant empty theater, and then it transitions to a recreation of the story he's telling. And in the drunk history aspect of it, when Mike is quoting someone who says something, the actors mouth, they lip sync the words. So, it's always good when Mike has done the story first before they do the actors. Although, there was one season where it was the other way around. (laughs) Yeah, it was challenging.
0: Yeah. But wait until you see this season, Mom. I just looked at the, uh, we call them dailies, right? Because we've basically like doubled the budget somehow. So, they're throwing all kinds of resources. And I had written some stories a couple years ago that were pretty involved, right? They were big, like, battle scenes. And. I mean, ambitious, and we just thought, there's just nothing in the budget to do this unless we animate it, and I didn't want to do that. Well, they came up with the dough, and oh my God, some of these things, your jaw is going to drop. They, they look really, even Chuck was impressed, and Chuck, as you know, has grown so bitter and broken, he hates everything I do now. Pretty but much. He, he almost wept, wept with glee when he saw this.
2: Really? Well. It's true, Peggy, this will rival like Saving Private Ryan, some of the scenes.
1: So, Michael, I want more people to watch it.
0: <laughs> I do, too. That's why I'm talking about
1: it now. I tell everybody <laughs> here at the home, they talk about dirty jobs, you know, and...
0: Mm, fine show.
1: And I agree that it was a wonderful show. Groundbreaking. And then I awesome. tell them about the story <laughs> behind the story, and they never heard of it. And so I tell them when it's on and which channel... And they say, oh, I'm going to check it out. When is it on and what channel?
0: Yeah, go ahead and promote it for me. I mean, once again, you've taken me right up to the point of the murder, but I don't have any (laughs) reason to look into the classroom now.
1: In (laughs) Baltimore, it's on at 9 o'clock on Saturday. On what channel? Oh, it's on TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, which is the biggest religious channel in the world. However, there is nothing innately religious about your stories. It's about me. However, <laughs> no, about your stories. However, when you and Matt Crouch sit down and discuss the stories, Matt relates it to Scripture. It's so well done.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I got to give that guy credit. I mean, we don't rehearse any of this. We don't chunk through any of it. He has ideas and opinions, and he comes from a place that's rooted in... Sometimes scripture, but more often than not, just in sort of a basic morality play. And I, of course, just wrote the stories to pass the time on a plane. So we have a good time talking about what he thinks I meant when I said blah, blah, blah. And I tell him what I think I really meant. And that's been a lot of fun. But I hope this isn't confidential. But there's some talk.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think there's that talk, many people Chuck. listen to the podcast.
0: Well, you you want to have a real kick in the teeth? How, not how, really. Chuck. Like, <laughs> you guys both have dentist stories, yes, and I want we to pivot do. to that in a minute. Do, but-
2: <laughs>
0: Between the two of you, like, I mean, George Washington would be, you know. Um, no, what was I going to say? Oh, Well, you were, say, you were talking oh, about. Oh, a real s- kick in the teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not going to, because that thing I'm not supposed to talk about, I really think I'm not supposed to talk about. You really should, talk about. that's what I was thinking, right. but go on. The fact <laughs> that the story behind the story might pop up on a brand new channel don't. yet oh, to be oh. yet I don't want to say what too much. Doing? I don't want to say too much. I can't say too much, mom. Because mom you, I can't say too I much. I
1: understand because you don't really know because it's not your decision. It's not your company. It's not
0: really my decision. Exactly. That's right. Like if this were a murder mystery, well, it would be me probably silenced for talking out of turn. Matt oh. Crouch would have broken the uh, several of the commandments and probably kill me.
1: Because for, really it ain't a done deal until it's a done deal. And you never know what's going to happen.
0: Yogi Berra. And even then sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. My point, oh, regarding the real kick in the teeth, Chuck begged me to start writing more of these stories because he knew the people who do listen to this podcast, literally dozens of them, Mm -hmm. love those stories. Love the stories, he said. You got to write some more and put them up on the podcast. And then we can bring them to life on the TV show. So I said, fine. I started writing more of these stories, and we started sharing them here. And sure enough, people listen to them. But not as many who listen to you. Mom. Oh, this little thing we're doing here. right now. True. It chaps my ass to know. <gasps> Don't get me wrong. I'm very proud of you. Very, very proud. Chaps my I'm, ass. I'm Don't say that
1: anymore. <laughs> that is not I mean, nice.
0: I, I am universally and profoundly delighted okay. that you are so That's well acceptable. loved. But. Chuck calls each week, he's like, all right, well, here are the numbers. You know, the podcast is up overall, which is good. But, you know, we're doing more episodes, and that gosh, I guess that's eroding into the episodic views. But here's the here's the disturbing thing. People like your mother more than they like your stories.
1: Oh no. And
0: I don't in fairness though, Peggy,
2: I think I said people like your mother more than they like you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I just just for clarity's sake, I thought
1: I'm sure that's not true. Because let me tell you, I can't tell you how many people come up to me and all they want to talk about is you. And I want to say, hey, I'm a New York Times bestseller. Have you heard? But no. Three times over. But no. Instead, I will forever be the dirty mother.
0: (laughs) Hey, guys, if you haven't heard... And even if you have, MicroWorks is turning 15 years old this Labor Day. So, woohoo! Happy birthday to us. My buddies at Wolverine are celebrating by offering you guys 25% off anything over at Wolverine.com. 25% off some of the most comfortable and durable footwear ever made. I love these guys. They've supported my foundation for years now, helped us raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for our Work ethic Scholarship Program. They're great, and if you're in the market for footwear, please give them a look, whether it's uh, construction boots, steel toe, tactical, lightweight, hikers, and of course, the 1,000 milers. Those aren't work boots, but those are my favorite shoes. I must have half a dozen pair of these things. The only downside is you can't wear them out. (laughs) They last forever. I've uh, actually resold an old pair because they feel like leather slippers now. They're so great. They use uh, Horween leather, all hand-stitched, right? It's the same basic pattern they've been using since 1880, I think. No frills, just super, super comfortable. Anyway, those are just the 1,000 milers. They've got whatever your feet might be craving because when you step into Wolverines, my friends, you step into comfort. And when you use Mike25 at checkout at wolverine.com, well, then you step into savings, Mm mm-hmm. Exclusions might apply. Wolverine.com. Mike 25 for 25% off the best footwear you'll ever slip on. Mike 25 for 25% off at Wolverine.com. I'm telling you, the same thing is happening on the other end. I had a speech a week or two ago. We got to the Q&A. And, you know, no more, hey, what was your dirtiest job? No more, hey, why'd you start Microworks? No more... Blah, blah, blah. It's all just, you know, when your mother wrote her second book, blah, blah, blah. It's all about you. Everybody wants to know about you vis a vis me.
1: I'm and sorry. And people want Mike. to know
0: about me vis a vis you. I mean, look, it's nice, I guess. No, it's, it's not. Just, you know, look at it adjustment.
1: this way I'm 85. It won't happen much longer, probably.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. You're, you're not going anywhere. You're like stepping in gum. You've been with me as long as I can remember. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably.
0: So, what are you writing these days? What are you working on? What, are you excited about anything? In yes, particular? I
1: am. Well, I mean, I write every day and I've got so many stories. You know, we live in a place that is 24 7 material. It falls like manna from the heavens into my lap. Oozes. I can't, t- Oozes. I can't go anywhere without somebody coming up to me and saying, i got a good story for you when you have a few minutes. I've got a whiteboard over there. I just erased four of the last names. It's filled with people I have to call and do um, an interview. I just did an interview a couple of days ago with a woman who lives here, and she's blind, and she was has been blind since birth. And she has um, the most gorgeous dog, oh, service dog, seeing eye dog. His name is Larry. And I describe him in my book as just the handsomest blonde guy I have ever seen in my life. Muscular and just totally appealing. But I have always seen him when he's working. He's with her, taking her to the dining room or the medical center or the post office. And you can't approach a seeing eye dog when he's working, when he has that harness on. So I've just, you know, I've just been wringing my hands, trying to find a time when I can hug that dog. So I did arrange for a, an interview the other day, and he is every with bit the of... With dog? Yes, he's charming. And so is his um, handler and my neighbor. I'll say her name.
0: Go ahead, say her name.
1: Can you say her name? I can, you, Joanne. I'll say her first name, Joanne.
0: Yeah. Is that her real name?
1: It's a, okay. as far as I know. A, and I think that's Larry's real name. <laughs> um, he's eight. That's a he's,
0: good name for a dog. He's
1: six years old, and he's her eighth saying eye dog. And she really gave me a window into the life of someone who is dependent on other people. By and And large. And the dog. And the dog, yeah.
0: Um, So she's had eight seeing eye dogs. I think this is her. I think.
1: Yes, this is her eighth dog, and he's six years old. Um, And
2: they all ended suspiciously. No, -hmm. no, but you know,
1: dogs...
0: I think you mean rather suspiciously, (laughs) don't you? Why, I do.
1: Indeed, I do. Well, you guys are
0: good. What's the mystery of the eight seeing-eye dogs? The canine who didn't see it coming.
1: Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Um, You know, they don't have a long lifespan, not as long as ours, of course. So she was, I think she said check my notes, six years without one. She used a cane. But, Mm. um, and when she moved in here, who should she see? But, I mean, she didn't see. (laughs) Who should she meet? (laughs) Who should she meet? That was a poor choice of words. But her fifth grade teacher at the Maryland School for the Blind, who is here with her brother, and they're both blind. They were both born blind. You know, it's moving. It really is. There are all kinds of people here, but, yeah.
0: Well, hold on. Hold on. I mean, this is a lot. Joanne had eight seeing-eye dogs over the course of her life. Larry is blonde, muscular, handsome, and you want a chance to hang out with him when he's not on the job. But when is a seeing-eye dog, like, not on the job?
1: When he's at home. What like, is
0: when is he off... And how does he behave when he's off? Is it just oh, I'll like tell you crack open a six-pack and just <laughs> watch just TV. nuts? Start, you know, humping a stuffed cat or something? Like, what do you do when you cut loose?
1: Well, I did the interview at the her apartment, and Larry greeted me at the door with a toy. Well, he likes to lick you. <laughs> he's a handsome guy who likes to lick you. And... Um, <laughs> He likes to be close.
0: Well, there you go. There's your title, Chuck.
1: Yeah, he's charming. (laughs) He's he's charming and lovable. Um, A
0: handsome guy who likes to lick you with America's grandmother, Peggy Rowe.
1: A muscular, blonde, handsome guy who likes to lick you. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) What's not to love, right? (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, I'm writing it down, but I don't think it's going to stick.
1: I don't know. Anyway, Joanne was charming. And let me tell you what happened. During our interview, the phone rang. And she wasn't going to answer it, but it was her friend, the woman who had taught her in the fifth grade, who was also blind. So I said, no, you go ahead. I'll just catch up on my notes here because I had my computer and we had been talking for almost an hour. And they talked well. Well, they talked baseball. They are both such Baltimore Orioles fans. Oh, they talked about the home runs the night before. Santander got a home run and O'Hearn and O'Day and... Not O'Day. I forgot his
0: O'Day, name. O'Day, can you see?
1: No. O'Day-O? No.
0: Day-O. Day.
1: Huh. Huh. Might so, be Oday, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah. So they talked baseball, and and you could tell that they know baseball. You know, they use names and baseball terms, and it was fun to listen to.
0: Well, I got a call from a guy I worked with in Egypt years ago, who came back here and got promoted, and now he's doing all kinds of. Broadcast work for the Orioles, and they invited me this morning into the broadcast booth. Next time I'm in town.
1: Oh, oh wow. no! Isn't that nice? Yeah. You and your mother? Did you say?
0: I... <laughs> <laughs> and your buddy Chuck, <laughs> and Larry, you know the and big muscular blonde Larry. who likes a very handsome,
2: handsome fellow, <laughs> who handsome, who likes handsome,
0: to lick you. handsome man with a tongue like a prehensile third leg. All right. Anyhow. All right. Yeah, Um, you know, I'm going to be there uh, what next week, I guess, but it looks like they're on the road for that tranche. So I'm going to try and get back again before the uh, postseason to go up in the booth and which they may actually be in. They're killing it. They really They're are. They're in first by, what is it, like three or four games now? So well, like that. but
1: yesterday we lost to Boston, but we took the series two out of three, but we didn't sweep it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tampa Bay, we're just a few games ahead of Tampa Bay. But either way, we're going to be in the postseason because we're doing so well.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll figure that out. My friend's name is Bob. I'm going to hit him back as soon as we finish this.
1: Okay, and Let's if they, they want me down. to sit in the dugout during the game, yeah, hey, I don't mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Way to take one for the team.
1: They can even spit. You know, every time somebody gets a hit, the other Orioles stand up, they fill their mouth with whatever, and they spit it out onto the field as far as they can. It's so gross. Do they? Oh, they do. That's disgusting. I love it. I know. I know. Um, and then they hey, have you what's you want to throw called-
0: out the first pitch?
1: Oh, <laughs> Okay. I don't think I could do that. No, I couldn't do There are so many more deserving. Your
0: mother did it.
1: Yes. I know, but she was 90. Why not? Let me tell you, there are so many more deserving people here than I am. People like my mother who never missed an inning of any game, whether it's on the West Coast or the East Coast, whether they stay up till two in the morning. And they are so conversant with terms and history and Yeah. No, I, don't, I wouldn't really deserve it.
2: But Peggy, you're America's grandmom. You're a local hero. You raised Mike Rowe.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You throw
0: out the first pitch. I'll sing the national anthem. Then we'll go up in the booth and hang out with the... Is Jim Palmer still up there? Is he still calling games? From
1: time to time. He doesn't do all of them, but he is still there. Yeah.
0: And who's the main guy? Like who's the like? I know John Miller's long gone, and yeah, you know oh, Chuck.
1: Gosh, Thompson, what's his name? He's greatest. a former player. Oh, you see, that's just the p- bad part about getting old. Your retrieval is not. Oh, his... there's
2: a bad part to it.
1: Oh, geez. yeah, you can't remember <laughs> words from time to time. Uh, oh, Ben McDonald, Ben McDonald's there, and there are a couple Didn't of other ones. Did he have a farm? No, that was his <laughs> uncle, Old McDonald. Old. His I mean, uncle old. Ben,
0: was <laughs> Ben the pitcher who came up who had like, and, like eight mile an hour fastball that was going to be there? God, I think the, the, so. I mean, are you guys both actually Googling now? I am. <laughs> yes. This is pathetic. This is or absolutely pathetic. Unbelievable. We're talking about broadcasting while we're recording on Riverside, thousands of miles apart, and you are each checking your iPhones for information yes he was a As pitcher. I just vamped yeah.
2: yeah here's who i got jeff arnold kevin brown scott garso brett hollander dave johnson davy johnson is that davy johnson, Davey johnson. Yeah. he was What's another pick? pitcher yeah. rob long ben mcdonald melanie newman and jim palmer
1: oh you know what she's good she's a woman She's a lady. She's a lady, and she goes out she's on the a lady. field. lady. She goes everywhere, <laughs> and she's never at a loss for words. She's, she's really good. yeah. But anyway.
0: Hey, sidebar, Chuck, you, you yeah. just mentioned Rob Long. Yeah. Make a note. I want to get him on the podcast, too. Rob Long is a writer and a comedian who's been on Gutfeld, but also has a bunch of stuff to say about the strike that I think would be super interesting. Oh, Rob Long, yeah, he wrote on Cheers, that guy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, that was I Shelley think be Long. A great guest.
1: Shelley Long was he related to Shelley Long? She was on Cheers. I think
0: they're the same people, actually. Yeah. She was Diane. Yeah. It's his alter ego. She was identifying as a writer while she was an actress and a man. I can't it was believe. A very complicated. I can't time. believe
1: anything.
2: She's a man, baby. She's a man, <laughs> baby. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know where Dad is right now.
0: Do I want to know, is he on the bocce ball
1: court? Yeah, he is. He has a game today from three to four. Nice. Yeah, it's the fall season. Right. He just had his second eye done, so he had to miss the first game. But he played the second game. I let him play the second game if somebody else Mm -hmm. would pick up his balls for him. And because he can throw them, but he can't bend over. So today, he's all excited he can pick up his own balls today. Wow,
2: That is a treat.
1: So it won't be a team effort. (laughs) And I'm sure the rest of the team appreciates it.
0: (laughs) Chuck, go ahead and write that down if you wouldn't mind. Big day for John Rowe. He's picking up his own balls again.
1: Yeah, well, that's progress. And he's down to um, three drops a day now. For one more day, and then it'll be two drops.
0: <laughs> but he's still eye got drops, the two balls. People, eye drops. Yeah. Yeah. Three drops, two balls. One team. No waiting. <laughs> hmm.
1: Anyway, that's the story about your father. That's why he's not popping in, in his underwear. Mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was quite an entrance last time. People are still talking about that.
1: He does that from time to time. It was so funny. We have a neighbor and he is a writer. He's a a former career policeman. He was, I think for about twenty-five years, a Baltimore City policeman and he's still alive. Yes. And
0: you told me about him. Is this Dick?
1: Dick Elwood is his name. And for 17 years, he was a detective. Well, I'm telling you, this guy has more stories. And they're good stories. I just finished reading his first book. He's written six books. Wow. And this is called Cop Stories. And let me tell you, he's not Shakespeare. Um, You're not going to want to remember long-flowing phrases that are just beautifully crafted because he is first and foremost. who was a career policeman, but he has written them all down, and he tells them like he's talking to you. And he can tell the story. Um, I like that. Yeah, he can. I love it. So he, they live across the parking lot from us. Mm-hmm. And the other day, I heard Dad out on the balcony going, woo-woo, woo-woo. And I looked. I was in the bedroom, and I looked out the window, and, and there's Dick across the parking lot, on his balcony, and he's doing semaphore. And here's Dad on our balcony, flapping his arms back and forth, <laughs> and they're yelling back and forth. These are... Now, Dick is 10 years older than Dad. He's only 80. But really... Wait,
0: that's younger, I, I believe. Think, yeah, that, that is...
1: Oh, I meant younger. I meant Dad's okay. 10 years older than Dick. Anyway, that's what two old guys do when you... They live here at the home.
0: So, an 80 and a 90 year old man are communicating across the courtyard with a combination of sign language and semaphore, basically. Yeah, and neither
1: one of them really knows semaphore, they said, but um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's good exercise. Here, that keeps it interesting. Hey, Chuck, you want to join me for a commercial? It's a good one. Yes. All right. Let's do it. So, life fact our friend Arthur mm-hmm. Lee, who you will remember, created maybe one of the greatest products of all time. It's a device that saved what, like 1,200 people? 1,200, mostly kids so far, right?
2: At the time he was on the podcast, I think it was about 900 and something, and he's up to 1,200 now, which is amazing.
0: So you've heard of the Heimlich, whatever. That's done a lot of good, I guess. The jury's still out, opinions vary. This life fact thing is next level. 1,200 lives have been saved by people who have purchased one of these things, they're like 60 bucks and you keep it in the house. And when your Nana or your pop or your baby or your son or your daughter or yourself, I mean, so many people die from choking. It's like the fourth leading cause of death, I think, among kids. Yes. So anyhow, it's an amazing product. And since Arthur was on the podcast, I don't know, I mean, it's hard not to be proud of this. We know for a fact that at least six people bought one because six lives have been changed in our audience alone, which is bananas. Six people from
2: our audience have heard the podcast with Arthur Lee. I don't know how many people bought stuff, but six people who heard him and bought a life vac have saved a life in their family.
0: That's what I'm saying, six at people. least six people, right? I mean, at it's, least it's on, <laughs> uh, what was his name? Pat Sullivan.
2: Pat Sullivan is the listener. He's the dad, and it was his son Ronan who um, his wife, Melissa, saved.
0: He was choking. 11-year-old kid. Yeah, look, I don't mean to pat myself on the back, folks, but we're saving lives here on the way I heard it. (laughs) (laughs) And Arthur Lee is saving lives all over the country. This guy, look, go to lifefac.net, look at the product, and buy one for your home. He's currently on a mission, this guy, to put one of these things in every school in the country like 100,000 schools out there. It's going to cost him six million bucks at least. Six million bucks, yeah. But he's got a product that is right up there with a smoke alarm and a fire extinguisher. And I think one of the greatest safety products ever made. And it's just extraordinary to think that five people in our audience are alive who otherwise wouldn't be. And who knows how many others. Get one for yourself, LifeVac, L-I-F-E-V-A-C, Net. Scroll through the testimonials. Look at the wall of faces of people who are alive today who otherwise wouldn't be. It's really powerful. He's a great guy. It's an amazing product. LifeVac.net. Get 20% off your full price purchase by using code Mike at LifeVac.net. This is a book, Mom, by uh, our friend Tim Cotton, who's a cop or who was a cop, I think he's retired now. He is retired Up in yeah. uh, Bangor, Maine. Yeah, he wrote God Warrants, and he wrote The Detective in the Dooryard. Cops, obviously, they've got great stories.
1: Oh, yeah. my Cops goodness. Cops who can write. Well, Yeah, can the stories are so good. So I'm doing a chapter in my book. I'm talking about people who live here at Oak Crest who have had interesting lives and have stories to tell he has a chapter in my book and so i've only had time to read one of it, uh, two of his books he wrote a book for children and but i tell you his cop stories are really good
0: did you tell me one to bring it back to baseball for a minute didn't he have some crazy encounter with maybe the greatest baseball player of all time, or one
1: of them? Yeah, with his childhood hero, Mickey Mantle. He was a young cop in his 20s. He was out on the beat, and, you know, Mickey Mantle had a reputation for drinking. Well, he was out on the street with some other ball players, and he was falling down drunk, and he was... Should I say this? I don't want to hurt his feelings. I guess he's dead, isn't he?
0: Oh, yeah. Mickey Mantle? Yeah. 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 Mickey Mantle's dead. Okay. He had a good run, but he's gone.
1: Yeah. So anyway... Good innings, as I say. He had good innings, yeah. So anyway, um, he wouldn't listen to Dick when he told him to get off the street. He was, you know, people couldn't walk by. He was impeding traffic. And so he arrested him, took him down the (laughs) station. Well, he was only in his 20s, and I mean, Dick was only in his 20s. I don't know how old Mickey Mantle was, but his um, superior, his superior officer, I guess you'd call him, told him it really wasn't a good idea to arrest Mickey Mantle. (laughs) He had to play the game. In Baltimore. Yeah, he had to play a game tomorrow against the Orioles. Well, I don't
2: know. Maybe it was a great idea to arrest Mickey Mantle if he's playing against the
0: Orioles tomorrow. That's a good
1: idea. You're right. (laughs) And while you're at it, arrest Yogi Berra.
0: Yeah, while you're at it. And Joe DiMaggio, (laughs)
1: that's wrong. Yeah.
0: You know, I met Mickey Mantle, Mom. No. Yeah. I met him at QVC in nineteen ninety.
1: Oh, he was selling something, I guess.
0: He was selling. <laughs> I think he came in the same year I met Ted Williams, I think it was Tops baseball cards, you know? Oh, that old sports right. collectible thing. Yeah. God. It's just so poignant, you know. I mean, to some of the greatest, most influential athletes to ever live sitting there in their twilight years with a jamoke like me in the middle of the night selling baseball cards selling and, and bats and, and just sh- and collectibles and just it's just a heck of a thing it, w- it was a different time they didn't have the agents they didn't have the deals and mm. so many of those guys just wound up 60 70 75 years old still working really still doing what they could Oh, God, a heartbreak.
1: Well, that won't happen nowadays. Not like Ben
0: McDonald, who ends up in the booth.
1: And you know what? And now people in Baltimore are worried that the Baltimore Orioles are going to be sold.
0: Oh, man, that would be a blow. Why? What's the chatter? What are they talking about?
1: See, here's another thing about getting old. I can't remember the name of the family that owns the Orioles.
0: Angelos? Uh, Yeah, Angelos. Yeah, Angelos. Right.
1: (sighs) Well... Oh, I won't tell you all the scuttlebutt, but there is real fear among people who really love the Orioles, really committed fans, that they're going to end up moving down to Memphis or, um, I don't know, south, down south somewhere. That would be terrible. Yeah. So we're all hoping that rich guys like maybe Jim Palmer and other rich Baltimore baseball guys like... Cal Ripken, and all their friends mm, yeah. who might have some money get together and buy the Orioles. They haven't even taken out a lease for the next season in the stadium.
2: You know what the city of Baltimore should do is buy the Orioles. No kidding. You know, just like Green Bay owns the Packers. The Packers. I believe, like, every major league team should be owned by the city. That just, to me, makes more sense than private ownership.
1: So uh, I don't the know what's going
2: to happen. Because you're a
0: communist. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. I mean, well, maybe a little. No, I don't think I'm a communist. No, no I don't even you're think definitely I'm definitely not a
0: communist. Look, I actually agree with you, but not for reasons that are um, complementary You know, to my overall uh, economic worldview. Vis- gotcha. Do what you want. You know, make the best deal you can. But I right. do. You know, I'll never forget, and I know you won't forget either. One morning they're there, and then Ugh. the Mayflower trucks come, and then yeah. the Colts are gone. Peggy, are you and filing that,
2: your nails again?
1: No, I'm not. I'm looking in what a you book. Don't
0: know.
1: I'm looking in a oh, book. Oh,
0: okay. God. All right. Well, let us know it if, sounded if like this the, gets the too boring for you. No, it's
1: not. Just... <laughs> I'm not reading. I'm not reading. I wanted to, I wanted to share something with you.
0: All right. Well, while you do that, I'll finish my sentence. Oh. It's. <laughs> And I've said this in interviews before, but looking back on it, when the Colts left Baltimore, it was the first time I realized that professional sports, it really wasn't about the fans. You know, the players had their agents and the owners had their lawyers and the mayors were kissed in and a whole variety of ways. And everybody was represented to a certain degree, except the fans. And man, oh man, I don't know that Baltimore, somebody should do a study and correlate the decline of Baltimore with the departure of the Colts. I can't prove it, but it really feels like so much of the identity of that town suffered from that. And God, if it happens with the Orioles too, I don't know how you come back from that.
1: Maybe it's the story behind the story. But anyway, yes, back to Mickey Mantle.
0: Back to you, Oh, okay.
1: no, back to Mickey Mantle.
0: <laughs> back to me for a moment. He was
1: arrested, but <clears throat> he didn't go to jail, which was probably a good thing for Dick Elwood. He might not have been too popular afterwards. But I wanted to read you this funny part in his book. He worked in Vice. You know what that is?
0: Mm, I do. <laughs> I sure do. So like down in the Baltimore block in that famous yes, area? He's probably the block. down there a lot, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: When you enter the strip clubs on the block, the lighting is very dim. And this is so some sex acts can take place either right at the bar or in the back of the club. Another reason for the low lights was obvious once you entered the bar and saw some of the ladies of the evening. Hell, if you saw them close, you would want to shoot the lights out. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? Anyway, yeah, Yeah. anyway.
0: Cop stories. It's Cop Stories
1: by Dick Elwood and Billy i'm enjoying
0: it i'd like to meet him when i come back there in a week or so well, i'll tell him if he's around
1: yeah he'll be around yeah
0: and you guys should collaborate or some you guys should do something together i think it's so interesting that two people at this point in their life each retired for decades are living across the courtyard from each other writing I mean, is this the guy you told me about, like, some nights you get up and it's like two or three in the morning and you look across and his light's still on he's up writing? (laughs) No, but
1: I I imagine that because he did share with me that he wakes up at night like I do and writes like I do and Mm. like every writer does. You get up and you start thinking about your story or your plot or your character or whatever and you need to make notes. So you come in here to the computer and next thing you know it's morning
0: see that's a good story but chuck you see what i mean about putting it through the hoop like you get us this far and what i want to hear in the story is you know i got up the other night to make myself a cup of tea because i i couldn't sleep there was a story on my mind you know and i looked across the courtyard and i couldn't help but notice there was a light on and i realized it was my friend dick burning the midnight oil cranking out another cop story and i said to myself well there's a kindred spirit and then of course you find the body and larry the seeing eye dog comes in and solves the crime with a preschooler taped to his back in what can only be uh, a completely unique and exciting episode of columbo which was also an underrated procedural as you might recall wow the great peter falk and one more thing remember uh yeah
1: just uh uh, one more thing
0: The uh, raincoat.
1: Yeah, I do remember the. Rain. I, love, I remember the rain. It was, it was rain. never raining. Never rained never during the raining.
2: whole show. Guy never took off his raincoat.
0: And there was also McCloud. Remember McCloud, Dennis Weaver riding yes. down the streets on a horse. On a horse, yeah. So it was like Columbo, McCloud, McMillan and Wife. Mm. You know, these are the shows I remember watching with Dad fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. You're watching these silly English procedurals, or at least pretending to watch and pretending to listen, while well, you have it on mute most of the time. I remember <laughs> McMillan and wife, Columbo, God, the Rocker Hawaii Files. 5-0. Hawaii five O. Hawaii Five. Jack
2: was Lord, man. That 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 iconic that dude. you know, zoom mm-hmm. in, which was actually
0: a zoom yep. out. You knew that, right? Yeah. They did yep. it backwards. Because they didn't have a drone. He's at that talking time. about the shot mom. Do you remember the on Hawaii 50, da, 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 dun, 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 and then it's all this high action cuts. And then they do this shot where they, they're in a helicopter, and the camera is locked down, and they're off uh, Waikiki, and they're flying very quickly, about maybe 50 feet above the Pacific. And they're zooming in with the camera as they're flying toward this condominium. And there's this guy in a black suit standing. On what are you doing?
1: I just took a picture. Did pictures. you take a picture? I took a picture. Go ahead, Mike. Don't be so easily <laughs> distracted.
0: I'm telling you a story, and they'll hold your face vanished behind a
1: camera. Honey, women multitask. I can do two things at a time I can take a picture and listen.
0: So, this helicopter is flying about 60 miles an hour straight toward this condominium, and there is a thing called a Westcam unit, right, which is the camera underneath the chopper, and that's being operated remotely and it's zooming in. It's an impossible shot because yeah. the guy in the black suit is Jack Lord. And at the last moment, right, how they timed this, I don't know, but Jack Lord is, is looking into the condominium and he snaps his head around like this, boom, just as the camera pops in and gets him in this perfect and it's the shot.
2: Perfect shot, it's perfectly in focus. Well, how they got it, Mike, is that they shot it in reverse. They started... Right there. And he turns away as the helicopter
0: crabs zooms backwards. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that probably 30 years after <laughs> <Me> watching <too. laughs> it. And just in my head thinking, man, that, that that is a shot in a million. Yeah. And then a DP said, oh, no. Yeah. All they did was start at the end and then back up and then reverse the tape. <laughs> Dummy.
1: I have no idea what all that means, but I'll take your word for it. Oh, why
0: don't you take another picture and then you can look at it later and just relive the whole moment.
1: I already got one, hon.
0: Hey, speaking of blind people, I've got a project I think you're really going to like. And I'm doing it because, in large part, because of your dad. Do you know the name Ralph Teeter? Does that ring any bells at all?
1: Ralph Teeter. No.
0: Ralph Teeter ran a company during the Depression called Perfect Circle. And that company was founded in Hagerstown, Indiana. And Hagerstown, Indiana became a huge town in the automotive world. Mm -hmm. And this guy, Ralph Teeter, was the founder of Perfect Circle. But before that, he was so much like Pop. He was a tradesman who was just obsessed with finding better ways to engineer a thing. There just wasn't a mechanical thing this guy couldn't do. And as he got older, you know, the war came along and he enlisted and he created all kinds of things on submarines that changed the way the basic operating system worked. He invented cruise control. He invented, in large part, the automatic transmission in cars. He did all this stuff. And his grandson is a guy named Jack who reached out out of the blue and sent me a link to a documentary he made about his granddad. He asked me if I would narrate it, and I said, yeah. So I'm going to do that sometime in the next week or two. But the point is, Ralph Teeter lost his vision when he was five years old. And all the stuff he invented, all the stuff he accomplished, it's so mind-blowing. This guy's attitude and his talent and his demeanor just remind me so much of Pop, who, as you well know, as a longtime member of the Lions Club, devoted so much of his efforts to supporting the Maryland School for the Blind, where I did my Eagle Scout project, and where your friend Joanne has some friends who went and so forth. That's where
1: Joanne went to school, Maryland School for the Blind. And your grandfather lost his vision.
0: At the end of his life.
1: For the last 11 years of his life, he was blind.
0: Well, it was more... Was he profoundly blind for 11 years?
1: You know, he could see um, shadows and he could see a source of light so he could look at a TV and see, you know, things on the TV. Not clearly, but um, otherwise he didn't see much at all. I mean, he was legally blind, but um, he could see maybe some shadows.
0: Do you know what my mother did for those last 11 years, Chuck, Uh, with my grandfather? Tell me. She walked across the lawn, which was probably, I don't know, 50 yards away maybe. Not even. And uh, Yeah, if... And she sat there next to his uh, bed, sometimes next to his chair, with a yellow legal pad, and just interviewed him. Asked oh. him questions, mostly about his youth, and wrote it all down. And I remember, Mom, you telling me it was amazing how clear his recollections were 85, 90 years past, as opposed to eight or nine hours past.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you reminded me of that. You know, I still have all of those notes and I've never written his story. And you know, it might be a something to kind of balance the story here at Oakcrest because Pop lived at Oakcrest mm-hmm. the last years of his life and he was blind here also. So, yeah, there's a you know
0: I think that's amazing. You know, When people ask us why we don't have any format, (laughs) why we don't have any plan, it's because you can't have a conversation like this if you have a plan. Anybody who's listened from the beginning right to now, and I'm about to end this now, I mean, it is the perfect circle. Ralph Teeter's company. The whole conversation, it always comes full circle with you, Mom. That's why you're a great writer. And that's why sometimes you have to talk in an English accent when you find the poor murder victim, which really, it's not so sad. You're right. It's not so sad when you do it in an English accent, I guess.
2: (laughs) And just see the body and not show the act. That's all.
1: Oh, yes. And not show the knife sticking out of the chest, because that can be upsetting to a lot of audiences. Not everybody's prepared for that, especially if it's under a Christmas tree surrounded by wrapped gifts. And it's the only thing under the tree that's not wrapped.
0: Mm. Ho, ho, ho. The knife or the body.
1: And there are children running around playing as though this was a normal occurrence. This was in the projects in Baltimore City. And those people were privy to all kinds of violence, depravity. Sadly.
0: Well, way to end things on an upbeat note, Mom. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome.
1: If I can find um, something. What's pleasant. next? Oh, today.
0: Dad's going to come back from bocce ball, lifting his balls on his own. We're going to celebrate that, and
1: then. And we're going to have some supper. Uh, we're avoiding eating in the restaurants and dining rooms because we chose the twenty meal plan, which means mm. that um, ten days a month. I cook or I prepare a meal or we go out and eat, which we do a lot. Well, don't you know, I have company coming in like 10 days. My six people, our children, six people. Mm -hmm. So we want to feed you while you're here.
0: So I appreciate that.
1: So we're eating on our own. So then we'll all go to the restaurants together. That'll be fun.
0: You're not going to cook for us?
1: No, you don't want that. Gosh, I love you guys. <laughs> no, right. You know what? I did a lot of cooking in my life, and um, maybe enough. I'm past it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to cook anymore. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I've done a lot of eating in my life, and I'm I'm not past it yet. So. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, I guess none <laughs> I'm of still us are. on our... the program. Yeah. No. None of us are. No. But Here's everything years is.
0: more of chewing and swallowing.
1: I look forward to seeing you and everybody. It'll be fun.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm headed down to uh, Florida first, and then I've got uh, some meetings and stuff, but I'll be up there. What's the occasion that uh, all the family's gathering?
1: There is a Roe family reunion. Oh, nice. Uh
0: Jesus, we should really film it. You want content, Mom? You've got it.
1: I don't know about that. We'll talk about really it. can't write about any of we'll it. We'll talk about it. content, for sure. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> it.
0: All right. In the meantime, I'll see you next week. Tell Dad hello, and uh, I love you.
1: Love you, too. See you, Chuck. Always nice being with you. On.
0: Thank you. There's no podcast without a sponsor. Thank them for paying the freight. Please don't fast forward through them commercials even the ones you hate
2: and so concludes another month of the way i heard it we sure do appreciate our sponsors and hope you do too this month we're grateful for zip recruiter k-12 powered schools prize picks field of greens butcher box hillsdale college NetSuite, american giant blue chew Wolverine and LifeVac we couldn't do it without them and we hope you show them some love in return until next time stay curious and do good